You're listening to the Cinema Snarks Podcast. I'm Larry. I'm Ren. And we are going to tell you how we really feel. And today we're divulging all of our honest thoughts on Dune 2021. So Dune obviously is based off of the famous novel and is the second film iteration of its kind, though there have been miniseries and television projects that have attempted the dense source material previously. But it follows the story of Paul Atreides, a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great uh, dynasty beyond his understanding. Uh, And he must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people so ren have you have seen the david lynch film that's correct i have and have you seen the like mini series i have not seen the mini series but i have read the books and you've read yeah you said you've read like the first four books yes uh yeah i think so so this this uh denis villeneuve film is based off of just the first book not even the whole first book. Yes, not even the whole first book. But uh, it is, uh, to clarify this, as ex- stated right there at the beginning of the film, this is part Dune one. Part 1. Which, which the intention act- of a Part 2 to come, and it has been announced, it's officially been greenlit, they can, they can go forward with Part 2. <laughs> well, obviously, the... <sighs> This is well, my biggest gripe with the film. But they did ahead. not. They did not announce it until after those box office returns came. They were nervous because they spent about two hundred, almost two hundred million dollars on this film. Um, so they were very apprehensive to give Denis Villeneuve that sequel. <laughs> but it made enough that they're secure, and thankfully, we're not going to be left literally just hanging in the middle of a story. Um, and we will be getting part two. <laughs> So uh, a lot of people do wish, though, this had been done Lord of the Rings style, where Peter Jackson just filmed all three of them as one huge movie and then just kind of went in and broke it for the trilogy. So now we have to wait because they still have to film and produce and everything. Part two. So, So, okay. Right. Okay. So let's let's start with this aspect of it. And just so, oh, I just want to give everyone a fair warning. The film has been out for a couple of weeks now, and this is a spoiler review. We're doing a spoiler review this time. Yeah. So, also, it's so a know. book. It's been out since. The <laughs> so if you're like really fucking confused about this, no. <laughs> you want to get over yourself right now. Yeah. Spoiler alert! <laughs> Run away if you don't want to know and have never heard okay. i will try not to give away the no. second movie you've been uh, warned hotline stuff um so i have a problem i don't i didn't like that i understand that's what, what a lot of the dune nerds were upset about is that it wasn't even like the whole book so so in one i'm i have mixed feelings so first of okay. all i thought that they did a lot of, they did the book. Like it's, it's pretty consistent with what's in there. It covers everything. And honestly, like the pacing of it is, feels very consistent with the book. So I have to admit, um, it took me a very long time to read the Dune books. It was one of those things where I like wanted to read them because they were such a big part of the culture. And everybody I knew was really, really excited about them. I had lots of friends in college that were like, yeah, heck and Dune. Um, so I felt like I needed to understand them. And uh, these are not my type of books. They are very slow. I fell asleep a lot 
while I was trying to read the Dune books. Um, so that a lot. Yes. Uh, so I actually, I said to my husband, I said, Patrick, before we left, I was like, I'm a little nervous that I'm going to fall asleep during the movie because <laughs> I fell asleep during the books a lot. Now, that being said, I actually found the movie a lot easier to follow than the books were. Um, I think one of the things I really struggled with with the books is that they have all of these things, these little intergalactic sci-fi things, items that have nonsense fucking names like Agam Jabbar. <laughs> but I always cite. I mean, like, it's a needle. It's a needle. And he it can is. call it a death needle or like any, he could call it any number of things that would make it easier for me to remember when they talk about Agam Jabbar. It's this lethal, tiny fucking needle. But no, they just refer to it Agam Jabbar all the time. So that also was what made me take a long time to get through the books is that I had to keep on going back to the glossary <laughs> at the back of the book and being like, sorry, what the fuck is a gum to bar again? Okay. Oh, that's okay. What is a Chris knife? Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Although I will say then talking to, um, so I went to go see it with Patrick and two of our friends and, uh, one had no exposure to it whatsoever. I had never seen the movies, had never seen the books. Patrick saw the movie like oh. decades ago. Out of uh, everything Patrick has never seen in his life, he has seen Dune. Has seen Dune. <laughs> He's also seen RoboCop like a bazillion times wow. apparently, but that's another story. No. We love a um, RoboCop stand. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then someone else had, he had only seen the, um, had, I don't think he had seen anything or, but I was the only one who had seen the books. So they were like a fairly unfamiliar crew of people. And then when we came out and talked about it afterwards, they were just as confused as I would have, would have like, <laughs> it was gratifying to me to be like, I've read the books. So I co comprehended what was happening a lot clearer than people who hadn't read the books. I had like spent enough time in this world to be able to see like, so my Patrick was like, his grandmother was kind of strange. I was like, you mean the Bene Gesserit? <laughs> not grandma. <laughs> not grandma. <laughs> he was like, did they clarify that? I was like, I don't think they at any point named her grandmother. But <laughs> and, I think he might have inferred that. <laughs> yeah, he definitely inferred that. Uh, they did, they did, I think they do. Call, I think she's called the high mother. Like, I think at one point the Duke says, you know, he's never been the same since he met with your high high mother. So I think he heard the word mother maybe and just figured okay. old lady, young woman must be grandma. I uh, do think I'm great. So as off the wall and absolutely ridiculous as David Lynch's Dune is, um, I watched it for presumably, I, I'm pretty sure the first time, not too far before this uh -huh. <laughs> iteration. And it definitely helped me. I'll say that because that first uh -huh. one is confusing, but like the first plot, mm -hmm the the like emperor literally just blatantly says the plan he's like this is what we're doing and yeah. this is what i'm sending you to the planet for this new film sets it up more as a mystery like you don't yeah. really know you just kind of have a feeling but you don't know what's that they're going to attack the atreides and yeah. kill them all yeah. uh <laughs> I, I think um uh, yeah, I, I, the David Lynch version gets a lot of shit. I think it was fine. I think it's a weird fucking book. I think it's a weird, strange world. And you put a weird, strange director in charge. And I don't think it was totally Ooh, off the rocker. the film, by the way. 
who like disowns the film. He, like, film. He, well, I guess there was a lot of studio interference uh, and he hates it. So he like um, disavows June. <laughs> um, I thought it was fine. Um, there's Can you like- imagine David Lynch though? If he would have just get free reign on that material, I mean... It's already wild, y'all. I don't think we could handle. It would have been good. The whole thing is, it, Dune is like, okay, so the re, a part of the reason that nerds love Dune is because it is difficult to understand and because there's so much symbolism and there's so much with these prophecies and, and this is indicating yeah. this. And like, it's just a very, it's a very cerebral. And if you want to break it apart for days and days and days and months and years and years and years, you absolutely can. And that's what they will do is they will sit and they will break apart Dune forever and ever and ever. And I'm glad that they have that in their lives. Um, I mean, I, it's a high fantasy nerd thing. It is uh, high fantasy <laughs> nerd, but again, this is the thing I have to go back to. It's science fiction high fantasy. So like yes. when I do Game of Thrones or even Lord of the Rings, there's like some sort of equivalence for a lot of this stuff. Like a torch is a torch. <laughs> a sword is a sword. Instead of, I have this tooth. It's called a Chris knife. Yes. Bandworm. <laughs> Yes, uh, I mean it's it's a lot more, but I I feel like that's a um, that's a high fantasy fan trait is totally. they like to be able to pick it apart. They love all of that. They love how dense it is. They love that not it's not accessible to everyone. They totally. look down on Harry Potter's of the world uh, because they're high fantasy. They're yeah. not the, they're not just fantasy but fans. You know what, Larry? At the end of the day, it's all the same fucking plot. One hundred percent. It is literally fucking Luke Skywalker, Harry Potter, Paul Atreides. And that's the thing is this got a bit of blowback for the chosen one plot, the prophecy plot. But the thing is, this came along before most all of the franchises. We have seen it over and over. Who is complaining about the plot line that is literally Joseph Campbell's Uh, journey a hero's journey repeated for literal centuries thousands of years we've been repeating this same storyline and we're gonna complain now yeah because this well, book in the 70s is a still- lot of people were complaining that um that it was too star warsy and they <laughs> uh, there was a lot of people acknowledging they were acknowledging the book came before Star Wars and Star Wars took great inspiration from Dune. Um, this is why people shouldn't be allowed to talk. But they, they said <laughs> that's all well and good, but the movie didn't. The movie came much later. So now it feels in a cinematic sense, redundant to so many other stories, regardless of the book being inspirational. That's all I have to say to that bullshit. That's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Stop it. You're ridiculous. This storyline <laughs> is a fundamental piece of our humanity. It's not even like, it's not even just by culture, right? It's not just the English speaking world that has this exact fundamental same storyline that we all follow. Like, please get over yourselves and do a little bit of fucking research on storytelling before you start spouting off like you know what you're fucking talking about. Oh, I feel like it's the same story again. I'm sorry. What are you, fucking 14 and you've just read the Joseph Campbell essay about this? Christ. Anyways. Yeah, but so, so June 
great always is. <laughs> yeah. So I will say, yeah, it, it definitely helped me to watch that first one first. But part of me also wishes I wouldn't have so that I could have gotten that like nice little surprise. And I, I actually, so the one thing that the biggest problem with the 84 version, I can handle the campiness. I can handle those like rock'em sock'em box robot shields <laughs> that are absolutely ridiculous, but also I kind of live for the ridiculousness. Yeah. Um, I also live for that little girl at the end who is like voiceovered. The, the tiny Ben Jesuit. She is the shit, man. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I'm like live. a little bummed about this first version is that like that <laughs> little fucking girl is one of, is like one of the best fucking parts of uh, love her yeah. she's so dramatic in that first yes. <laughs> david lynch and i live um little little paul's sister yes in yes. great it's so good but that first one Lord i just didn't the spice. care so about the characters at all and i think that's a problem with june is they're the characters are pretty dry yes they're all so I, I care about any of the characters so this is another thing this time though i don't know i felt okay. i felt it's a better okay. connection to them this go round. So i think that's just honestly i think it's the nature of dune the story i i think it, no, is, it is very much like even in the books they are not drawn to be characters that you can feel that you can feel a lot of empathy and like relate to a lot like they're they completely live in a different world. Paul is a prince of a in well, a different colonizers, literally. Yeah, and he's you just like he's also. So this is when I want I bring this up. Um, yes, it's very strange. What I thought was actually really weird about this film was them trying to force some sort of like emotion, some sort of like interpersonal connections with uh, Paul and like all these other. It's like. Timothy Chalamet actually is a perfect casting choice for Paul uh, for Paul Atreides because Paul Atreides is just so very very serious all the time and he like does that full on like stare intensity thing. But you know what? You know what Timothy Chalamet does not do well? Genuine joy and affection. Not seems very fucking strange coming out of his body. But he like, <laughs> runs up to Duncan, who is who's actually wonderfully played by Jason Momoa. And if you want to inject a little bit of humanity into a script and like a world that lacks humanity, you cast a fucking Jason Momoa who just oozes, oozes kindness (sighs) and, and compassion and joy and humanity. He, he was able to take these otherwise very sterile like statements and you could just see the warmth in him naturally as a human being. Like he gets it, but Timothy Chalamet is not that guy. He is not a naturally connected person. And you can see it every time he like runs up to someone. I was like, what is he doing? He's like (laughs) too old and too young to be doing any of this. I don't, it was just very weird. I will Um, say, I'm so glad to hear you say that for one, just because there's been a blowback to Timothy in this role again, because we like to body shame people. So it's about, Timothy Chalamet not being good in a sci-fi action lead. Because he he's not bulky? Because he's That's not bullshit. Jason Momoa. Because he's oh, okay. not Jason Momoa. So here's another thing that I thought was really good compared to the 1980s film is that Timothy Chalamet actually makes the story make a lot more fucking sense to me because Paul makes way more sense as a teenager than he does as like a 31-year-old <laughs> dude. does not make nearly as much sense it just like it just i i love what's his name i forget his name the uh, he's he's in all of david lynch's stuff he's he's in portlandia 
Oh, I'm going to look Kyle, it up. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds right. McClanahan. Uh, Is it McClanahan? Yes, that's yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, wonderful. I love him. He, but, he's such a nice person. He was so supportive of this dude. He was like excited. He's, he's a wonderful I human being. Love him. He does not, it definitely makes it a lot harder to like even understand the yeah. plot line. Yeah. You're, that character has to be young for any of this because this is supposed to be his like coming of age. This is supposed to be his, like he goes from being a child, having his father and having his mother and he's in training and he's, he doesn't quite know what he's destined for, what he's been chosen for. And it makes a lot more sense when it's a teenager than as opposed to a grown ass man who probably should have understood this at this point. And I think then we have Oscar Isaac, who I think really gives off yeah. This regal, but war- I think that's why I liked the characters more. Is he had an element of just natural warmth to him, like that speech between him and uh, Paul about family and him just being his son. I thought was really great. I thought he was great in the film. Yeah, I thought I, Rebecca was- Ferguson was great. Yes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so the, the, this is fun to like relate after what everybody said after the movie because they don't because. Yes. Un- difficult to understand film and if you haven't watched the plot a bunch of times and like know already what to expect you're like confused so like first of all yes Oscar Isaac was actually another great example of like he just managed to ooze warmth through this language that yeah. is not natural and does not inherently convey a whole lot of emotion and empathy and and warmth and connection yeah. he got that through I thought he was a really good duke he's probably one of the best dukes mm-hmm. I've that has ever portrayed it he kills it love him um rebecca ferguson was also very good um one of my friends who went to see it with me was like i thought she was a little over dramatic she was like crying the whole time like the really beginning and i was like yeah it's because she knew that her husband was about to die like like they kind of indicate that like it's a prophecy and they know that this future is coming they've said that and she was like oh i thought she was just really over dramatic and i'm like yeah i mean again after seeing that 1984 one there is no getting more dramatic than lady jessica in that 19 i mean i again i kind of live because she was just over the top but um i will also say one of the things i do love about dune is that the women in dune are fucking badasses like there's just nothing about it that feels particularly besides the fact that the chosen one is a man um there is not really anything in dune that feels particularly patriarchal like a lot of the key characters are just these badass women like i think it is fucking sick that lady jessica and i don't i don't think they really get into it as much in the books I'm sure the nerds will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, that like, essentially they tell Lady Jessica, you will only have daughters. And she's like, nah, I can produce <laughs> one. <laughs> she's like, I got it. this. <laughs> I'm super fucking powerful. This is my husband. He's a badass. We're going to make the one. I know people uh, are super hyped though. I know people are like ready for Lady Jessica in part two. Like, she, yeah, she turns into a much bigger in. badass towards the end when she comes like into her power. Yeah, yeah and yeah. she does. She gets that sick fucking scene where she fucking Javier Bardem was also excellent at Stilgarth. That was another <laughs> uh, casting choice. I actually think that maybe, I don't know. I think Timothy Chalamet, although in some ways he was excellent, he was also maybe the weakest point in the, um, no, you know, who was also really bad. Uh, fucking Duncan Idaho, not Duncan Idaho, Gertie Halleck. Oh, that was so weird. And I don't know how much of that was his fault or the director's fault or what, but like there was this one line where it's like, ha ha ha, I'm gonna keep an eye on you. <laughs> 
is this movie? Like, there's just <laughs> bro. Like, <laughs> listen, I what it I was, was? I was just mad because I wanted a pug. I the image of Patrick Stewart walking around with a pug from that 1984 one is ingrained in my head to where I was like, why do the Atreides not have a damn pug in this movie? I want a pug. <laughs> They went without the dog. David Lynch, for whatever reason, decided we're going to give them a pug. Um, there are going to be dogs in, around. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> and I, I lived. I, I'm like, <laughs> how do you get more iconic than Patrick Stewart running around with a pug in his arms? You don't. Oh. You don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But so Josh Brolin, he would have yeah. pulled it off. Josh Brolin, was- pulled it off. It was very weird. I, and that, that's what I, that, that's probably my biggest complaint about the film is that like there was just these very odd moments that were, I guess, intended to create connection, but they were so badly done that it just felt very weird and cardboard and wooden and strange. Just like this is you, odd. And put that pulled Daya and her her small role in part one. She so, doesn't have much to do. So this is my feeling on the, actually my biggest problem with Zendaya is going back to this. Why the fuck they didn't. Okay. I have a problem with this part one business um, <laughs> because they didn't even tell a whole story. Like I'm okay. Yeah. I'm like, I I've accepted at this point that we make films with the intention of leaving them open for a sequel. That is the world that we live in. Um, I am not okay and have not been okay with the Hobbit style of let's take this singular book. Guys, Dune is dense. It is not a fucking long book. It is a short book. I tell you, I say that it took me a long time to get through it. It is a short book. It's not fucking, it's not even Harry Potter length. It is like shorter than that. It is a normal ass sized book. There is no reason that they took two and a half hours to tell me half of that fucking story and like and that's the thing right so we want to talk about this like hero's journey like i intrinsically know at my core you have not finished my story you literally just stopped at the point where he crosses over and that is literally just the first half of the film and i'm not okay with that i'm not okay with you not finishing at least one whole story you can leave shit open but it seems like some i just i'm a big very big on the storytelling right we'll get into this all the time and i just hate them f- just g- handing me something and being like ha! and then finish and just we're done now you have to come see a second one now you have to sit here for another two and a half hours when we do the second part which will just be an ending it won't be a whole film and that's another thing that fucking sucks is now i'm gonna have to watch the ending that will not be a whole film it will be the second half of a film it will not have all of the necessary parts you that build up and create you have to wait for the blu-ray to watch a full five-hour film yeah. and like and that's the thing and then the part of me goes well then make it a fucking just do it as a mini series like it makes me understand why they made it as a mini series it's like if you want to do the whole series and you want to do all the parts and you want to do all the proper pacing and all the things and you really want to make it slow and drag just like the books did then then take the time and do a mini series but don't tell me half of a story that being said i really actually for a slow film did not feel terribly bogged down by the pacing i thought the pacing was fine i do think they spent way too much fucking time on those fucking future vision flashback things like i don't need to see her 20 times you do not need there was you could cut out a half an hour of that fucking <laughs> film with zendaya visions 
they had to they they hired her they had to do something they were like we can't literally just have you in for one minute at the end we have to we have yeah, to do something with you in the movie yeah they can if they're only gonna do that one fucking movie i mean she's gonna be a major player yeah, in the yeah, second she's half huge. she's lit yes she is a key piece and they make that very clear with the repetitive <laughs> fucking over and over again fucking visions over and 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 over again that in retrospect was like, okay, did I really need that many of them? Probably not. And you probably could have cut a good chunk of your film and maybe finished the story if you did a three-hour film and just mm -hmm. got to the fucking point a little bit faster. Um, I did want to talk about two people who I think are like being mostly overlooked, but I thought were fantastic in this movie. And they're very small roles. First of all, Stellan Skarsgård, who oh my, the Baron Harkonnen, oh he's so gross. I think he was just so intimidating. Like I don't know the voice. I just Um, found him to. I'm not gonna lie. I do love Stellan Skarsgård. General, I love all the Skarsgård as a rule. (laughs) As a rule. As a rule, love the Skarsgård family. Um, but I, I, I really prefer the one from no. Version. He's so gross. The nineteen. It's too much. It's too much for me. But the Baron needs to be fucking repulsive, and I didn't find Stellan Skarsgård repulsive enough. Like fit. Like yeah, the one in the eighties version is like physically repulsive. Like he makes you really uncomfortable just like watching him. His like crazy eyes. He actually rings a lot more. I like that Harkonnen crazy pants energy. Like I (laughs) like. Like this version of the Baron was a lot more calculated and calm, whereas yeah, no, yeah. the other Baron Harkonnen is like out of his fucking mind. And that to me makes a lot more sense because that's that's kind of the thing is that like he's driven mad by his inherent crazy pantsness. He's a Harkonnen that's like part of their vibe. Um, but he's also driven mad by the spice. He's driven mad by both power and li- the literal spice, the literal psychoactive on this planet that he's yeah. been like breathing and using forever and ever and ever. And so I don't think Stellan Skarsgård was bad. I just prefer the crazy pants version. I mean, I I mean, I love the like gayness of him in the first Dune. He's like real predatory on all of these like little young men he surrounds himself with in that first movie, including yeah. Sting. He is very like, oh, my pet Sting. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'd live for. I also, we didn't see him at all in this film. I'm very curious about the Sting character in part two. Um, oh, supposed to actually be in it, huh? Because no, he yeah. was so over the top and dramatic. <laughs> In that first film, Sting out here. Um, but then they the other one. Shot and he did not miss his he, shot. He said he came out of that little thing in his little underwear. He took his fucking shot. But I also loved Charlotte Rampling in her very limited role. Uh, she As the, is has the, the queen mother. Or yes. the, the Bene Gesserit. The Bene Gesserit. She, again, she mother. is so intimidating. Just like this really intimidating presence. Um She's incredible. I just like that actress a lot. She was in um, that you should watch this. I highly recommend it to everyone. I'm actually pretty sure everyone who's anybody knows Broadchurch. It's fucking incredible between David Tennant and um, Olivia Coleman in it. But also she plays a, a pretty major character in the second season. Okay. She's just generally a really good actress. Every time I see her in something, I she's like she- one of those people who just she has a presence. Like as soon as she walks on the set, 
all attention comes to her because she has that presence. And it also feels like she didn't get quite as much play. Like, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. Helen Mirren has been around forever, but Charlotte Rampling seems like she's kind of really come into her own as an older woman. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just. Um, but I wish I maybe wish her role was a slightly bigger, but I'm, I was okay with what she got. Like I found her to be again, that scene with the little thing at his neck, uh, Ganjabar. the Ganjabar at his neck, was just like, for, there's a special name for the box too. And that <laughs> makes that scene so fucking confusing. Trying to like, to follow his book. what, wait, what is lethal? The, his hand is in the, the what is the thing? I don't also, just for everybody who's listening and may have read the books, in my mind, the Gamjabar was like a syringe needle. And then in the movie, it was like this little silver thing. And that made a hell of a lot more sense. <laughs> Actually, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That looks like a, like a scary kind of like, ooh, yeah. weapon. Whereas like a needle is like just this loose thing, which I guess is also kind of its own version of scary. But my weak link in the acting cast was actually Dave Bautista. Um he had a very small role, but like when he was like yelling and screaming, I was like, okay, this is too much. Uh, I don't know. A little bit of the crazy guy in there. He kind of did, but it wasn't enough. Like I needed, I either Busted. need all the way or I need you to pull out more and be stoic like most of this film is, you know? Yeah. And yes. he just kind of straddled that weird, like, uh, I don't know. And yeah, the other weak link was Josh Berlin. Like, I don't, I was that like, was- mm. Very, yeah. Gurney Gurney also was kind of sidelined in general. He wasn't. Yeah, I was going to say, Gurney Halleck is a a fan favorite. Like, people who are really into Dune are really big fans of Gurney Halleck. He's, like, a badass, like, warrior. He knows all the shit. He trains Paul to be a fucking sick-ass fighter. Although, uh, okay, I... uh, Sorry, I was about to go back to that, like, fight scene that I thought was pretty well shot and was kind of fun to watch. I don't remember the, um, the, the shields. Oh. I don't know if that's a new thing for this movie. No, they had it in the other one. It was just like those boxes, those weird like boxes that they uh, were yeah, inside. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so that is in the box. Great, 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 great. Um, no, but I thought Jason, uh, yeah, they kind of were like, we're going to suck all of the coolness out of Gurney and just insert it all into Duncan, Duncan. Idaho. Yeah, which is weird because Duncan, I don't think is nearly as, I, I don't remember that much about Duncan, Idaho, really. He stole the whole damn movie. <laughs> Like, everybody came out of Dune and was like, I love Duncan. He was my fave. Like, yeah, usually Gurney Halleck is the favorite. Like, yeah. he's, you know, he's. Uh, but Jay, yeah, favorite. like you said, Jason is just so damn good. And uh, and his final battle is awesome. Like, because, of course, you can count on Jason to do the, the physical stuff. But he was just so warm and so, like, I don't know. You just, yeah. you can't not love him in that yes. role. It's impossible. Like, <laughs> but visually stunning. You saw it in a theater. Thank God. Um, yeah. That was the right choice. Hands down. The, yeah, just the shots were gorgeous. Like I, I, I'm not upset about if you're going to make me sit for sit for two and a half hours in your movie that has slow pacing, show me some gorgeous fucking images that I enjoy looking at. And then I'm fine. I'm, I am okay to watch the beautiful costuming flowing in the oh, wind. Those costumes I, were amazing. I'm like ready to come up with a Bene Gesserit costume where I have that Lady Jessica metal thing on my face. Oh, like yeah. I want to make that costume. That is <laughs> sick. Love that. I uh, thought they do a good job of like, I don't know. Uh, they, I think they did a good job of like making things look otherworldly, but still make sense yeah. to my brain. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's the key. That's the key for period pieces. That's the key for all of this is 
make it look fantastical or like it should be accurate to whatever you're watching, but it can't be so far removed from us that we're like, oh, this is ugly. Like, <laughs> yeah, the costumes are fantastic. The cinematography was great. Like, oh. technically, this is a gorgeous yeah. film. I mean, I, on all technical levels, I even thought the sound design is amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Hans Zimmer. Patrick was very excited about that. <laughs> this is probably my favorite Hans Zimmer score in a while. I don't know. I just really liked the the Middle Eastern, obviously, influence he brought in. But then to bring in, like, those Scottish bagpipes out of the clear blue. Um <laughs> So interesting choice, but I loved it. Uh, and that sound rocks you in a movie theater, which you expect from Hans Zimmer. But when you're sitting there, that sound is just like, whoa. <laughs> okay, so speaking of Middle Eastern and this whole thing, it is the thing I just do need to point out that feels a little yes. weird yes. is that I'm glad that we decided to put people of color in this film. I am glad it makes sense to me from a like, metaphorical logical standpoint historical standpoint of like make the fremen people of color as they have been basically had their entire home abused and ravaged and they've been subjugated yeah. for hundreds of years or however long the spice has been discovered um it does feel icky and weird to have the chosen one be a beautiful white prince um that is a problem it is inherent to the story it is this it is a little bit of a double edged sword, right? Like I'm not I'm not mad about it. It's just a thing I had to point out that like it. I'm glad we have people of color at the same time. There is something ooky and problematic about the the people, the white people are the ones who. Yeah, he's, he's literally going to be a white savior. And that, that somebody already pointed that out in this film already. He's a white savior just in this first half and then. It, it continues on into the second half. Is it Oscar Isaac a person of color? Is yeah, he? so he's Guatemalan, uh, Oscar Isaac. So they could have cast like a little brownish, yeah. like at least a little mix, a little color in there. Timothy wow. Chalamet is white as paper. He is, uh, <laughs> he is whiter than Jessica Ferguson even. And she's... <laughs> um, so let's just be clear. And I mentioned this, I got, I got a, a lot of flack pushback because of the costuming so as they're walking out onto june the costumes are very clearly middle eastern inspired and mm. it's a bunch of white women in these middle eastern inspired their faces are even covered while the men's faces are out it's it feels very intentional but also it it made me feel a little bit weird that uh, i want so, some uh, middle eastern people here somewhere anywhere makes sense to me though like logically yes. because like this is how you show your actors' faces and they keep the sand off. Like that logically makes sense of like- yeah. But then oh. it was like the men didn't have it. So I was like, see, that that's what well, showed me. It's like- That's mm. a whole fucking like suspension yeah. of disbelief, right? They're talking about, we have these still suits and no more than a thimble full of water is gonna leave your entire body. And then they're like walking through the desert with their no helmet on their mouths open. I'm like, okay, so no water's escaping through your mouth, huh? Or your eyeballs. <laughs> yes. but it just i mean it harkened back again to middle eastern customs to be of like being in the sand the men don't have to wear anything over their face and the women come out like you know fully fully covered head to toe yeah. type of thing now to be fair that is like that's like written in the bene Gesserit in the book like, yes it is a part of that whole world and um, i heard that the book you can either disagree or agree with what i heard as i was moving along after i heard that and i decided to kind of look that it is kind of a chastisement of colonialism 
It is. Of the Middle East, obviously with the spice and such as allegory for the Middle East specifically. But um, so again, it kind of makes sense to have the white people come in being like, look at me. Uh, (laughs) But then we kind of break that down as it's more of a chastisement in the second half. We didn't get much of it in the first a little bit timothy kind of is like "Mm, we're kind of doing shitty stuff here um but yeah so i'm excited for part two personally uh, because i loved part one i thought it was yeah i think part two will be good i i think i'm just like salty that it wasn't a whole movie (laughs) like (laughs) like, the little storyteller in me is like no that's not a whole story but like i still really enjoyed it not absolutely enjoy seeing it and i again really i feel like it is a the story is so much easier to follow as a mm. visual medium than it was as a book so honestly if you don't ever read the book i think you can just watch the movies and don't feel did you bad like about that. did you like the worms oh that was another thing i want to talk about like yeah i i think we it's one of those things where it's like oh thank god we've gotten to a point in like cgi if we're gonna remake dune thank god thank god we're at a point where the the worms make sense like the worms from the book are, like the, you just couldn't create that in the eighties versions, right? Like you yeah, just no. the money or the technology or to properly create these, these destroyer fucking giant, <laughs> insanely huge. Like, yeah. yeah, they, they explain them in the book and like, it's hard to even conceptualize how big these things are supposed to be. And they're not nearly big enough at all. They're just yeah. kind of these fun, like worm things, whatever. Um, but yeah, they're like, yes, I think they did a much better job in this movie of like that mouth coming and swallowing everything up. Yeah. Uh, like when it flies up in front and you, they just see its front yeah. wall. Like <laughs> that makes sense. That is like, yeah, that is a fucking sandworm. That I mentioned is- it too in my like reaction. I love, they have one shot where it moves mm-hmm. and it just becomes like a canyon after the worm has gone through the sand, the sand concaves where it was. I, I mean, it's just small stuff like that that I just loved. Again, yeah. it helped to create scale, but realism. Have you yeah. seen Denis' other films? Denis Villeneuve? Some of them. I've seen um, like Arrival and what's the other one? See Blade seen? Runner 2049? I haven't seen Blade Runner 2049. I meant to watch the old Blade Runner and then watch the new one. And have you, have you seen the old one though? Yes. I have seen the old okay. Blade uh, Yes. Saw the old Blade Runner. Uh, maybe I need to watch it again as an adult. I don't know. I It's one of those slow movers. <laughs> it is a slow film. It is a slow mover. Did you see uh, Prisoners with no. Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal? Uh, not Jake Gyllenhaal. He's in the other one. Uh, Hugh Jackman, though. And uh, Viola Davis. It's really good. Um, sounds good. That I mean. Enemy just- with Jake Gyllenhaal. Did you watch that weird movie? <laughs> Which one was it? Enemy. <laughs> oh, uh it's interesting i'll say that Um, (laughs) it's not my favorite blade runner 2049 is probably still my favorite of his films um but yeah so denis if he's gonna bring you one thing uh whether it's blade runner 2049 or arrival or now dune it is an immaculate looking like technical just perfection Uh, aesthetic like the aesthetic is stunning it's a big sci-fi like just perfectly made Film. So I also felt like this movie, and this is not intended to be a dig or anything aesthetically and just like generally felt very Game of Thronesy. And this is not to be like a negative thing. I think it is possibly a compliment that they're able to take that specific sort of popular 
-hmm. cultural vision of a fantasy world and translate just that right amount yeah. balance of realism and fantasy together um they got a lot of there's a lot of that intrigue and the political yes yeah. that and that that was actually something that patrick said he wasn't expecting right he really expected it should be this big like space spectacle and, it, uh, and I, if he had asked me about it i would have been like no no dune is like oh, no. all fucking political economic intrigue. that's the problem people went in i think really expecting star wars or lord of the rings yes. a big you know <laughs> and it's not about the policy and that's why nerds fucking love it <laughs> <laughs> like, because you also the political implication actually i think and this is another thing that i love about dune is that it is it less it's less so like in star wars it's all it's just about power it's just about like I rule and now I'm going to fight a war and now I'm going to kill this planet so that I can win this thing and I'm in charge mm -hmm. of this and like but with Dune it's very about the economics of it and that is so much more interesting and in in our world so much more accurate to the complexity of these sorts of problems right like but especially even what they introduce here the complexity of morality versus survival mm -hmm. uh and kind of the the economics of mining this spice versus the morality of the people that are here and mm -hmm. what is happening and how you navigate that and i think that's maybe where the game of thronesy stuff comes from because once again game of thrones is not just power it's a lot of shifting like consequency type of constant moving of politics yeah. you can take things over but then oops you made a mistake now you're dead and another house yeah, on that up. point i think in the books they actually do a better job again oh, like yeah. in yeah. the books they do a much better job of like actually talking about the economics of like oh well and, I, and of course area because they control all of the yes. produce in the entire fucking realm yeah. like, um, and the houses i think also add to that this yeah. film does a, a, a very house atreides yeah. house but uh you know yeah. whatever Harkonnen, emperor like the Harkonnens were really well done in terms of their just like scary level i think they uh what really stuck with me and this is not a thing that anybody else remembered i think they blocked it from their minds is they have the um spider? the source of the harkonnen oh. the oh. spider thing is fucking weird and i love it and, it me out. and that little mouse was the cutest thing uh so while we're talking animals real quick spider thing terrifying mouse adorable i loved him okay sorry keep going no no um when they do they do it's actually not a very long scene but when all the harkonnens are like kneeling and they're like getting jazzed up and you see those oh. dead people under like, that are like upside down and they're draining them it like does so, it's so visceral and it's such a great like that's what this culture is it like does a very it just fucking creates uh, the harkonnens are evil they're evil evil and like you know i usually like a little bit of nuance but like you watch that scene immediately makes you go wow we understand and like you said that's and a lot of people have talked about how exposition heavy the film is by and large but i think it doesn't position for this book i mean there's no way around it I'm sorry. oh there's no way it's nonsense if you get rid of all of the exposition you, could, you would have literally you would just be watching the movie like what the fuck is this but it's the those whole core of dune is the exposition the, the political intrigue the the economics of it no but i think you just pointed out moments like that i think the film does a good job of 
inserting small moments that are just visual. Like we don't draw any attention to that. We never mention them uh, doing that. We never mention, oh, the Harkonnen ceremony. They just show it while something else is happening so that instantly visually you're on board. You know what's happening. You know these people. And I, I think that's great. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sure that they get into it very in depth in Dune. I have like a vague recollection of they're like very clear about exactly what that is. Yeah. Um, and so that I think they also did a very good job of throwing out little shits for the fans, for the ones that are going to be like, yeah. But yeah, I think if you were talking about exposition being bad, we would have had, you know, uh, Duke the the late Leto Atreides explaining to Paul, oh, this is what the Harkonnens do. And this is why we must fear, you know, like that's bad exposition. That's bad exposition. Yeah, I thought, yeah. This is much more effective and quick. Like, boom. Oh, oh, shit. Like, (laughs) I will say, yeah, it it ends too abruptly um, at a a weird place in the story. (laughs) That is definitely a negative for June. But overall, um, I loved it. I was fully on board with most all of it. Um. There's a lot of stuff that like, I'm, I know they could, they probably could have cut down and made it into one longer film. And that probably, that would have made more sense to me because then you have like, I, sorry, I'm just like thinking about, are they then going to try and break up the other books into like two or three movies? Cause like, it's a whole, there's, a bunch he wants of- to do a third one for sure. I think He's already said the only thing I can ve- I-, I feel like they should stop. I can't. I'm going to spoil it. <laughs> they should stop. Basically, it covers generations worth of the family and they should probably stop with this generation. Just that- cut. That part is two is like part two. And let's be done after. Yes. Part two. And but. I mean, you can just keep going if you really want to. You can drive anything into the ground. Hollywood has taught us anything. <laughs> they will drive. drive it. Bam, right into the ground. But would you uh, say this met your expectations, actually exceeded them, or didn't meet what you were hoping for going in? Uh, I, th- I think it, it met and lightly exceeded my expectations. Oh, yeah. I, think that's I would say I, I, I thought it. I suspected it would be visually stunning and it was even more stunning than I, than I thought it would be. Um, and it is a very weird book. Uh, and I, I didn't have really high expectations of like, what are they going to do with this weird ass language and these like odd things. And I think that it was better than I expected it to be. I don't, I don't know what I expected, but I thought it was very good. I thought it, uh, I think, I think it is very telling that as a person who has read the book, watching the movie, I was like, oh, this is way easier to understand as a visual medium. So That's were your confused friends on a more positive confused note or like, what the yeah, hell is this? Like it, they seemed a little confused. Patrick was lately confused, but it was like, he was like blissfully ignorant on the whole grandma thing. Like, had I not told him that wasn't grandma, he would have been just <laughs> fine with grandma being this crazy evil lady that tested him. <laughs> I don't think that made any difference. Like, his- oh. Fusion bits did not detract from his enjoyment of the film whatsoever. Perfect. So, Good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Glad to hear it. 
Well, that was our review and discussion for Dune. I hope you all had fun talking all things Dune and a little bit of Denis Villeneuve as, at large with us. Uh, make sure that you are following us on whatever platform it is you are listening go ahead, leave us a review, leave us a rating. It definitely helps us out as we hope to get back on track here and get this podcast moving. Also, make sure you follow us over on Instagram and Twitter. Ren, do you want to let people know where they can find you? Yeah, you can yell at me on Twitter at Ren Manley. You're Ooh. welcome. I rarely check it. And I'm on Instagram as Poo 13 Perfect. And if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button for Chili Boy Productions down below. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Chili Boy YT or Chili Boy Productions. We loved getting snarky with you and we want to hear all of your hot take opinions on June, whether it be the 1984 version, this or both. So make sure you hit us up on those socials. Until next time, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.